These podcasts will be available everywhere that podcasts are available. Is that right, Digibrain? Wherever you get your podcasts. Right, so I'm... Um, <laughs> now, there's some copyright issues for me, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a buyout, that I'm not seeing any contracts. So I'm taking sure. the lever off the chairs. Yep. You're stealing the glasses. Yeah, I've got some glasses in my bag. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, and we'll nab anything else we can take. We I'm won't take... The no, no, that's yours, that's yours, bro. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, still from the system. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the NSDF podcast. Today we've got Nima Talagani again, our favourite boy, uh, interviewing James Blakey. So James is one of the visiting artists, one of the VAs here. He's really, really cool um, and he's the Associate Artistic Director of Slung Low. In this first part of the podcast, you're going to hear them talk a little bit about their experiences at NSDF, what's been going on, some of the shows that they've seen and what they thought of them. And then they're going to talk a little bit about Slung Low itself, what it is, its ethos, where it's set up. Um, and I really like this part of the interview. It's uh, really cool. We get to talk a little bit about Burberry, um, which kind of spoiler alert, I guess. So what do you think about Brexit? <laughs> um, what show did you see last night? Did you see a show last night? I was your first saw night? Um, the art and schools uh, show last night. Are you still watching? Are you still is watching? Yeah, I'm seeing that tonight. Cool. What is that about? Uh, so that without giving too much away yeah. for, for me okay <laughs> yeah uh, so that was it kind of mashed together loads of popular TV references almost like a kind of episode of Gogglebox on speed um, right this is the Gogglebox show yeah uh, and they were kind of it was a really uh, playful ensemble kind of expression where they 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 wore the characters of their the TV shows that they watch or, mm-hmm. or purport to have watched um, mm. kind of quite lightly, so they slip in and out yeah. character. It had a real, um, a really fun, absurdist kind of sense of humour to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they revealed themselves through the expression of these kind of, yeah, uh, you don't have to do that much with TV personalities to make them absurd, do you? Yeah, because no, they're all already yeah. pretty absurd. There's an interesting thing you said about ensemble, and I think, and I think it, I saw a show last night here called "Things We Do Not Know." Mm. Brilliant show, and I think it'll be really interesting to hear discussions around it. It's about sex workers in Bristol. One of the things that was really prominent was the use, the the ensemble, the, the, just a, a gang of people really being on the same freaking page and really striving towards the same thing in whatever way mm. you know you know it can be it can be it can be thunderous it can be subtle there's a million different forms of doing it and you said you saw like a sort of what you call like a, a strong ensemble as well mm. um i know ali pidsley is a pidsley is a selector that's here mm. um this week um who is one of the barrel organ gang and he's actually running a workshop on being in a gang and ensemble making works as an ensemble do you think that's one of the things that this that sort of young people now are um, showing in their work is that sort of absolutely I think it's an antidote I think it's like a thing that we need I think that kind of connection an antidote to the one man show (laughs) yeah yeah and the kind of one man one woman experience of the world which feels as though in so many other uh, areas of life that's right. sort of like what we're being told is meaningful. And do you think yeah. then, sorry to interrupt you, no. it's just occurred, do you think that's a sort of 
reaction to the the main character. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I'm just trying to think about what I think about that. Is it a reaction? Is that, is that, is that hierarchical then to have p- different sized part to have more important in no I don't quotation think so. I don't think well maybe that it's a certain kind of hierarchy I don't think it's necessarily an helpful hierarchy I think a more damaging hierarchy is a disparity in ownership and authorship and right, decision making and I think it's fine for people to t- I don't think everybody so you can be in an ensemble and have yeah you, you, know, you, you sometimes you, I did a show at a, a drama school a couple of years ago, and it's really interesting the way they choose players for drama school shows because it is it, you know every, it's such a weird environment because everybody it's like a showcase for agents and stuff, and yeah. so everybody's really you know so you end up doing um, uh, a Dennis Kelly play or a, um, a Simon Stevens play or something that um, you know brilliant work, but that which the, the plays are chosen by the people that run the courses on the basis of everybody having an equal opportunity to. Right, so what no they one do. has too much of a big part in a little part so they can showcase their skills. I don't know how collective an idea that is. That feels mm. still like quite an individualistic idea because everybody, because it's a certain kind of fairness, right. but actually... Uh, you end up just doing your yeah. performance. And like, you know, in a, in, a, in a multimedia, multi-form piece of work where someone's playing the cello and someone's doing a monologue and someone's rapping mm. and so you know, like that... I th- and I don't think we need the same kind of part for everyone. I just think we need an equal level of investment in the work that we're making together. Cool. So you need to believe in it, right? You need, you need to, to believe, believe in it. what you're doing. And I suppose there's a difficulty in believing what you're doing if you're not part of the gang that you're in on the same page with. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. <coughs> how, how do you find that gang? How do you find? Well, that's a really good question. I don't think there's any one way, but I think this, like festival, is a really good way. Like it's the first time I've ever been to NSDF, um, so I'm yet to discover how it. Welcome to the National Student Drama Festival, James Blake. Um, And you know, there was quite a lot of chat last night in the um, speeches that introduced the festival about the idea that you you might find someone here who you're working with in ten years, and I find that idea very inspiring. So maybe Mm. this is it. Maybe this is where people find their gang. They do. And a lot of people have. Mm. You know, I have and people have found their gang and have been working continuously with people at the festival for 20 years. You know, we just had Alan Lane on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Or depending on when you, when you air this, we will have Alan Lane on the podcast. I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's it like working with Alan Lane at Slung Low? What's your official title? Are you associate... I am uh, officially I am the associate artistic director mm. of Slung Low. Sounds mm. nice, isn't it? Good that for you. Like the sound like of, a big kind of man. <laughs> um, in reality, it's a small team, and we all do a bit of everything, Beautiful. as you know. Yeah. Um, so it's you, Alan, Joanna Resnick, Joanna Resnick, the super producer, Matthew Angove, mm-hmm. Sally Proctor, community director, who is currently on uh, maternity leave, yes. and Javeria Khan, who is a producing intern, who's with us at the moment. So you've done arrived at Slung Low in August, yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you doing before that, James Blakey? So uh, I have freelanced for the company before as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been mainly freelance before that, so it's been quite a shift. I was living in London the previous five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an associate director for an amazing company called Company Three, who mm-hmm. you know well as well. Yes. And you've come in and done workshops. I have. With, uh, company Three. We did rapping and rewriting Shakespeare. Yeah, we did, which. Uh, some members continued to talk about actually the work they did really? in that session Wicked. long after. Yeah, good. 
uh, and what it meant to them to feel as though those stories were for them rather yeah. than distant from them or imposed mm. upon them in school. Um, so you're working a lot with Company 3? I was working a lot with Company 3, who are an amazing company of approximately 75 members between the ages of 12 and 19 that represent every state school in the borough of Islington and are referred wow. to the company um, by teachers, social workers, parents on the basis of the people that will most benefit from the opportunity to make uh, long-term collaborative relationships with professional theatre artists so as to make wow. work that speaks deeply of who they are and of the teenage experience in North London in the time that we're in. Uh, yeah, they are a real force wow. for, for good in the world. Cool. So you were freelancing as well. So now yeah. so now you're at full time at Slonglow That's right. in Leeds. Yeah. You you're also recently engaged. That's correct. So you're strong and stable like the UK. And before <laughs> that, was there any time where you run around a bit like a bit of a vagabond little like freelance like headless director yeah. finding your feet? Well, I, yeah. I mean, the 5 years that I was I was uh, in London, it, it's been such a shift actually, and so welcome, and so what I needed to, um, you know, I was lucky to have that associate relationship with a company that I really believed in, in Company Three. But to make mm. it work in London, you know, you've got to say yes to everything and be everything to all of the people all the time. And some of that created some good things, but some of that also yeah. created some challenging things. And there's and a lot I'm hearing. Sorry to interrupt, I'm James. I'm from London. Yeah. So the concept of moving to London. Yeah. Or London being Where a hub of uh, Tottenham, Palmer's Green, uh-huh. and it's, it's sort of I only really realised it later in life that people move because it's just where I'm from, right? Mm. But there's this huge thing and pressure on people mm. to move to London, one of the world's most expensive cities, and make it. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I mean? Because this is where it is, mm. right? Is that a pressure? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Manchester. In Manchester. Now, Manchester, I've been there a couple of times recently. It's popping, it's alive, it's mm. buzzing, mm. culture, art. It, it's, it's an exciting city. It's a great place to be. Right? Yeah. Why do people from Manchester move to London yeah. in order to... It was never my plan to move no, to No, it wasn't, but just um, in general, yeah. Yeah, and I always thought that I would end up in Manchester, and, you know, I might still. I don't yeah. know what end up means, but, I mean, I'm in Manchester <laughs> more now because I live in Leeds. But, yeah, I... Uh, I went for a job. I kind of got. I got a job in London. Which mm. I thought I'd be there for six months and end up being there for nearly six years. Wow. Um, so it was all kind of a bit by accident, mm. really. And also at a time when Helen's company was like relocating to London because. Uh, Who's Helen's company? So my partner Helen runs a company called Rashtash. We're great friends of the National Student Drama Festival. Mm-hmm. I think we'd say if they were here that they owed a lot to the festival and to the the selectors that they worked with, um, and. Yeah, I think in, well, I mean, I can't speak for them, but I think in their case, uh, they really strived quite hard to make associate relationships with um, uh, institutions and buildings in the north where Mm -hmm. they kind of train together uh, work and make sustainable and um, for a whole variety of reasons Mm -hmm. that didn't really happen. And so they felt the next step for them in order to produce the work that they wanted to make was to to move to London. It was... at that same time that I got a, uh, a job in London. Um, so yeah, we moved together, but didn't right. know how long we'd be there. Amazing. Turns out it's Slonglow that brought us back. Back to, back to the it north. It was Slonglow who also introduced us. Yes, I've heard this story. Nine years ago, at the first ever Christmas fair at the Hub. Wow. Yeah. Wow, do they still, still do Christmas fairs? 
Yes. Uh, so the last Christmas fair at the hub was this December, just gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the Holbeck members throw a Christmas fair as well. So uh, this December, we'll have to work out quite what the right thing. Have is to jostle for position a bit. <laughs> so you, how long have you been working with at Slonglo? So I've been full time at Slonglo since August of last year. Uh, so, so this the last is new. Few months at the hub and the first few months at the Holbeck. So okay. uh, yeah, we've recently moved. We've gotten Alan might have talked about this already. We've gone into partnership with uh, Britain's oldest working men's club, um, continuing to uh, manage and, and and work with members to provide the the activities that were happening before we moved in there and also uh, trying to broaden the scope of what the club offers to the community by making it a community club that's kind of for everyone in that part of Leeds. Uh, So we host community groups, we host a programme of touring theatre work, uh, we throw a, a cabaret three times a year which kind of has the look and feel of an old school variety night but with really excellent theatre artists so it's just kind of balancing that thing of it, it being in sympathy with the history of the building but also trying to provide something a bit more kind of provocative and engaged and new um, and, where, and so you're, you're based in Holbeck we're based right? in Holbeck in South Leeds what's Holbeck is, about? Holbeck who is, is Holbeck? Holbeck is very close to the city centre but is quite isolated from the city centre in terms of like transit into it it mm-hmm. is a, uh, a place that's full of really lovely switched on interesting people it's one of the poorest parts of the city Mm. um it's changed a lot right recently i mean i'm only saying that because i was there five years ago doing my first show which was with slung low it was at the leeds dot canal and um there was these sort of empty buildings around and these like flats plush flats like high spec flats one owned by chris moyles is that right yes yes chef and they were all empty it was kind of like, it was like a deserted wasteland. There was a Pizza Express, there was a Tesco, <laughs> where I used to get Tesco's finest because it was the first time I got paid to act. I only do M&S now, but that's a different story. And, <laughs> and um, I went there like a couple months ago, and it's like bougie office spaces mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What's going on? So, yeah, it's interesting where we used to be... Um, the, uh, the the hub which was five railway arches underneath the Holbeck High Line uh, that kind of exists five railway arches yeah that's where the company used to Incredible. be um, in five railway arches and two shipping containers <laughs> um, and that was in this weird kind of hinterland between the growth of the uh, urban development of mm. the city centre the kind of south bank bit of the city which is the area that you're talking about um, and Holbeck proper which is like only another half a mile down the road but feels much more isolated and that the uh, regenerative growth of that slightly bougie part of South Leeds isn't hitting. Right. And it also I I feel as though development has also stalled a little bit because there was a whole bunch of land that was bought up over the road from the hub by uh, Burberry. I think this is all correct. Maybe we maybe we could have the fact checking sound uh, come in here. Um, So I think Mr Burberry is from um, Huddersfield, again, this is all based on very um, uh, incomplete Bro, Let's run with it. <laughs> so Mr. Burberry is from Huddersfield. He wanted the European headquarters in uh, Leeds. They bought a load of land in that area that you're talking about. 
flattened a load of stuff, like dug underneath what used to be like slum clearance that hadn't properly been like dug out and um, were planning on building this European headquarters right over the road from the old venue, from wow. the, the hub. And then, as we know, uh, so much Brexit is the answer to so many um, questions, uh, mm. and in this case, Brexit. So it's just sitting there. So anyway, that may have stalled a bit, but anyway, there is a, a, a huge amount of investment yeah. in that area, irrespective of that, but it's not quite reaching Holbeck. <laughs> Bruv, sounds like you don't trust Theresa's going to sort this all out for us. <laughs> Bruv, have some faith, like, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Burberry does have a place in Yorkshire, like an office space. Okay. Digi Grace is on it. Yeah. Office Thanks, space. Right, Burberry. Do you remember Burberry oh, used oh, to be oh. really in? Uh, like Bur- a, yeah. And they changed it. So what did Burberry do? If I'm right in saying they changed their branding, right, to disassociate it with, um, like, they wanted their. Um, can, can you look that up, did you, Grace, yeah. to just make sure that I'm saying it correctly? But I feel like I know this. Burberry changed their branding because they wanted it to be more high-end, right? Uh-huh. And they didn't want certain types of people uh-huh. wearing their clothing and giving it a certain type of image. So they got rid of the, the kind of check, the recognisable the, check. The checked hats and branding, stuff, yeah yeah, 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 and the checked tops. So um, now what are they about? I don't know. What, what does Burberry look like? They're Ooh. focusing on leather goods. Leather goods. <laughs> um, That's a yeah. niche market. Right, okay, interesting. Because I remember there's that, there's that brilliant... Um, seen in kid adulthood, mm. no clocks, kid adulthood, um, where I believe it's Trife, the character of Trife goes into a shop, well it's the, it's the three guys, they go in and they're trying on hats and Trife goes in with a hat that looks like a Burberry hat ah. and the security guard um, doesn't let him leave or something, says he's right. stolen, the, okay. stolen the hat. Um, and he ends up chucking out the security guard and goes, keep your fucking hat. It's wicked. But it was, um, yeah. How did we get into that? Uh, Burberry, Leeds. Yeah, Burberry. Yeah. So yeah, so there's this area which is... But just the, the fact that th- that type of company yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. coming in that uh, type of, across the hub where yeah. Slunglower, yeah. you've got very different ethos. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is you know, <laughs> it's good that we've, it's really great for us that we're now in... in a community club right in the heart of the community. No, it would have been brilliant if you'd have stayed there. <laughs> Burberry were there too, and you could have had a war, Slunglow versus Burberry. That would have yeah, attracted a lot what, of interest on social in, media. In we probably would have made up in determination, yeah. and explosives. Yeah, explosives, that's big, isn't it? In the second part of the interview, you're going to hear them talk a bit about Slunglow itself. You're going to hear about the ethos, their setup a bit more, and then they're going to move on to kind of what Slunglow actually do. They're very uncompromising and they do a lot of work with explosions and working outside and engaging the, with the public in a way that theatre often doesn't. And then you're gonna, they're going to move on to a very fun story about a cup, a vintage cup, not like a diva cup. Shout out to How to Save a Rock. Um, although I think they call them moon cups, which I've never heard before. That was a fun segue back into James Blakey and Nima talking about Slung Low. The bus is our cultural community college. We bought a double-decker bus and we've... Who's um, we? Uh, we is Slung Low. Wicked. 
Slunglow, uh, we are a theatre company in Leeds and um, one of the things that we do is run a programme of adult cultural education free at the point of use for the people of Holbeck and Leeds more widely mm. um, and we uh, lay on courses, we bring in brilliant teachers who maybe you'll come at some point. Maybe I will. I've seen it. It's, so I, I went on the bus yesterday. It's a double-decker bus. It's a double-decker bus. That's got like, what, electricity, LEDs, yeah. TVs. Yeah, sometimes it has power. It didn't last night. Didn't it normally power has power. Uh, so yeah, we've got two flexible learning spaces. Downstairs is a sort of like meet and greet, seminary, Netflix TV type space. Uh, upstairs is a bit more presentational, flexible teaching space. Mm. Uh, so, in fact, our very own Brett Chapman uh, has taught uh, filmmaking. Wow, who did you bet who runs films. this podcast? Did wow. Brett has, uh, yeah, taught on the college. Wow. So, we've got a projector screen up there. Uh, Matt Angove, our wizard of a technical director, has spec'd it out to the max. So, what other stuff happens on this bus, on this double decker uh, bus we've cultural had, community we've had college? CPR. CPR training. Stargazing. So people can go on this bus and yeah. get CPR training. Yeah, and, and get Rissassiani dolls and learn how to do basic life-saving skills. So you can learn to bring people back from the dead on this bus. Absolutely. Extraordinary. And you can explore the universe. Right. Uh, we did, the first term had stargazing, so we did some classes. So out of like the of, bus windows? Well, the first sessions on the bus were more theoretical uh, and using like apps and software and the projection screen to sort of um, identify constellations and then we bust everyone not on that bus because yeah. at the time we didn't have the HGV license as yet so we, we, we bust everyone in many buses to uh, Pontefract to the um, observatory there and wow. people got to have a go on the proper telescopes who gets to drive the bus? Matt drives the bus. Matt drives the bus. Matt is now an HGV license holder. <laughs> he drove the bus Brilliant. from Leeds yesterday. Did he? Yeah. So you drove, did, is that how you were transported I, to Leicester? I trundled along in my Fiat 500 behind nice. at 45 miles an hour. What type of music do you listen to in a Fiat? Uh, well, me and Javeria Khan listened to uh, Any Questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we had the political chats. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, me okay. and Javeria probably have fairly different taste in music so we steered clear of that and went mm-hmm. straight into the politics right which you have similar uh, views on certainly probably yeah more similar than uh, yeah tell me the tell po- me about those let's get into the, the nitty gritty both very cool <laughs> this ain't no family friendly student podcast <laughs> <laughs> what are your political views James Blakey we started there yeah let's do it what were you talking about in the car uh, well, we were talking about what we were excited about seeing here. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, we talked about how much more uh, savvy and switched on and engaged this generation of theatre makers coming up feels than certainly when I was at university. And then, you know, I was making theatre at uni that just felt quite like it inherited quite a lot of form and stuff from the existing theatre industry didn't feel particularly boundary pushing right. and then uh, and that, that sort of stuff came much later for me actually mm-hmm. I mean, it feels as though I mean already you know, I've not seen that many shows yet but it already it feels as though mm-hmm. um, these young theatre makers are yeah just making work that is much more yeah, switched on more aware more socially engaged more socially is engaged is that a social like, media thing I 
don't know, I think it's just difficult to not grow up with a political opinion at the moment because mm. of how turbulent the times are right. that we're living in and how right. much there is a sense that... But I mean, for example, yeah. every sort of era or decade would say their political times were turbulent, mm-hmm. right? Is it that young people are more engaged now in it or are voicing their opinions more or creating work that makes them part of the conversation? Yeah, I think it's partly that. I think we also um, living through a time where the celebration of individual um, experiences and the striving for rights and freedoms feel particularly uh, like at the forefront of what young people are thinking about. Amazing. And that's one of the things we were were talking about in the car on the way down was like that that's that is clearly of the utmost importance and that's really exciting but I'm really hoping to see work this week which kind of asks okay yes and then what and like what can we do collectively with that like what goes beyond the expression of an individual experience or the striving for an individual right and freedom to what we can achieve together when we do something uh, ambitious and we strive for something extraordinary like because I think those two things don't need to be like in a dichotomy against each other like mm. they obviously go hand in hand but um, but yeah I think if we boil down too far to the individual experience it becomes difficult to create real change so yeah. so what else mm-hmm. so what are they doing with those rights and freedoms that they're striving for and how can we make something collective with that so let's talk about explosives a bit well, slung low. I, I mean uh, well I think there is something um, you know we were talking about politics earlier there's something about interventions in public space that are big enough and exciting enough to draw people to them mm-hmm. uh, and I think explosives is one way of doing that wow. not so much a um, an act of violence as uh, you know might otherwise be associated with explosives mm-hmm. as, a, as an act of um, spectacle and mm-hmm. beacon and come and play an invitation to mm-hmm. a provocation to public space yeah. um, I think is one of the things at the heart of it yeah also, just pretty fun. They're pretty cool, They're pretty aren't they? Pretty cool. I was um, thinking about explosives a lot recently, right? Have you seen Narcos? Narcos on Netflix. Uh, I'm not, is that the one? The f- That's the Escobar. Yeah, one, the right? first couple of series so, yeah, focuses yeah, on Pablo that. Escobar yeah, yeah, yeah. in Colombia yeah. and the sort of rise of his him Only as a two cops kingpin. That are trying to chase him down. Yeah, mm. and he blew up a lot of places and killed a lot of people by blowing buildings up. I didn't know that. And he's like, there's such a, like, you know, in popular culture, it's yeah. like Pablo, being a Pablo Escobar. Like, his name's cool. And you know, Fire Festival, mm-hmm. there's that documentary on Netflix oh, yeah. about Fire Festival. Yeah. And where they wanted to host this like, festival was, it was part of the marketing. Yeah. Come and be on Pablo Escobar's yeah. um, island that Pablo Escobar used to own but I live like Pablo Escobar and I was like thinking well it's a mix because I get the sort of glamorization of certain mm. figures I was like I didn't know he blew up and just killed innocent people do, do you know what I mean yeah. I suppose there's a sort of like in, in, in the public consciousness you're able to uh, sort of not forgive but not look at mm. someone if they're like a Al Capone, Pablo Escobar, the, the sort of the bad things they do because it's under wraps. Yeah. But it's like, there's nothing under wraps about publicly saying, yeah, yeah, I blew a building up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That level of, uh, well, openness. Yeah. And uh, uh, I guess a sense of untouchability yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can brag about that and feel as though it 
contributes to your PR rather than detracts from your yeah. PR. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Brings you back to Slango. <laughs> <laughs> Brings you back to Slango, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Cheers DigiBrett, for um, looking out for but the podcast. But of course there is something inherently creative about destruction as well. I mean, mm. I'm not talking about the lives of people in a, in a town no, of like course I'm talking not. about. Um, yeah, when you, when you break something, you have to rebuild it, right? And yeah, amazing. And the creation in destruction. Mm-hmm. The Holbeck Cup. Yes. What is this mysterious thing? Mm. What should people be looking out for? What is it? What's going on? Should we be excited? So the Holbeck Cup, um, when we first moved into the Holbeck, we found a safe. Mm-hmm. And it was buried in, in uh, what is now the beer cellar. Uh, it's sort of been abandoned and I think dates back to a time when that level was like the original foundation of the building and that was the ground floor. Wow. So you know, it's the greatest, oldest working man's place. So it's an old building. Yeah. And we couldn't get into it. Uh, and I wasn't this safe, wasn't this safe, we're moving all the other stuff in. And um, so we got some uh, pyro together, we were talking about explosives earlier. Pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics together, wow. and we fed it, it was a leftover from um, some previous uh, work, and we, we fed it through the keyhole of the safe, and we blew it. So you blew up the we safe? We blew up the safe, yeah. I mean, did you I, film that's it? That's what I should have said earlier when you were asking me about destruction. Yeah. We did, there is a video knocking around cool. actually. So I'd like to see that. Documentary footage. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, when we opened it up, to our great surprise, there was a, a beautifully formed antique cup in there. Wow. No markings, no explanation of where it was from. <laughs> but we just had this sense that it had to be used for something because it was such a beautiful uh, antique. And so it's become the emblem, um, and indeed the actual cup itself, but it has also come to represent an opportunity. Okay, what's and that, that opportunity? opportunity is for a, a company at this year's National Student Drama Festival uh, to come to the Holbeck, Slunglow's new home, Yes. to uh, take advantage of our dorm room to come and stay with us on site. So you've got dorm rooms on site? Free, we've got, we've reno- yes. with the, thanks to the people power of Leeds, we have renovated the upstairs spaces of the Holbeck to have um, a bathroom in there, a kids' mm-hmm. room, um, and uh, uh, a couple of offices for visiting companies and this dorm where people can come and, s- and stay for free. So a company will come, they'll stay, they'll either develop something new or they'll work on something existing, mm-hmm. and um, it may also, if it's the right thing, include an opportunity to present work to the public as part of the programme that we run. Um, at the Holbeck and there's there's cash as well yeah let's talk about the cash cold hard cash yeah Uh, cold hard cash how much to the tune I believe of £1,500 which you know is a chunk that's like it's not you know it's not going to change anyone's life but it's a a starting point right wow I could get like four deliveroos for that yeah (laughs) at Mm. least four I could eat for two Uh, days and we yeah we're, we're kind of working out how to Alan's got the idea of putting £10 notes into the cup itself yeah, uh, for so when it's um, presented. Blow it up when you want to get your money. Um, um, so yeah, they will get this, this who, uh, mysterious ha- antique and they will get this opportunity to So who's eligible? To the Holbeck. Um, any company at NSDF is eligible and I believe as part of the award ceremony on Friday night, the Holbeck Cup will be presented. And um, it's it's... Yeah, it's there for a company who have demonstrated outstanding quality, and of course that can mean any variety of things. Wow. Um, it's Sort of yeah. Harry Potter vibes, isn't it? Yeah. Was that a cup in Harry Potter? The Triwizard Cup. The Triwizard Cup. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
So that's James Blakey, it's been a flipping pleasure. It's been lovely to chat with you guys. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the NSDF podcast. Please keep checking in. We're going to do loads more. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming. So I hope that you have a wonderful day and we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>